0: Hey y'all, it's Eddie, and on this episode of National Board Conversations, I check in with Tammy Kirkland, a National Board Certified Teacher in Oxford, Mississippi. That a score release just and we dive deep into understanding scores. Tammy offers tips for understanding the feedback, talks about her emotional journey of not achieving her first time, and provides a few resources to help candidates along with the process. I won't keep you waiting much longer. Here's my conversation with Tammy Kirkland. Hey Tammy, how's it going today? It's
1: going great. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well, you know, coming back off of a lo- of a long holiday week, you know, getting ready to go into another holiday week here uh, no you know, like with Christmas. It's, it's time a crazy time this time of year.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> sure will. Uh
0: well, so you know, we're here to talk about the national board uh, with score release having just happened. We're here to talk about uh the scores, candidates having gone through their again got their feedback received their scores and the saw whether they achieved or not. Uh but we'll get right into it and get to know you a little bit. Can you tell us your current role, your job and where you at? Sure.
1: My name is Tammy Kirkland. I'm a middle childhood generalist, once renewed, and uh, I'm a faculty member at the School of Education at the University of Mississippi. Um, I teach math and uh, my primary job though is I run our candidate support program, the world-class teaching program. We're one of five programs in the state of Mississippi. I deal anywhere with from two to 400 candidates a year in state and we also have a national program that is new so it's a busy time of the year for us as well
0: yeah well, it sounds like yeah. it so you're a national board certified teacher yourself Francis. um can you share a little bit about your journey as a candidate
1: Who my journey is probably why you're talking to <laughs> me today eddie uh yes my journey uh, i missed certification by less than one point I'm going to pause for dramatic effect. Okay. Uh, I remember the day I pulled up my scores. I, I was just, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I, you know, I would say I was surprised, but part of me wasn't because I had, I'm a writer and, uh, I had, uh, edited all of my questions and rewritten them so much so till the night before I submitted I went back to make sure I answered all the questions great idea but I suggest you do it mm, not the day before <laughs> do it a little bit <laughs> earlier and I couldn't even find the questions I had edited the questions so much I had totally changed the questions. so I had totally rewritten a com- entry back then it was an entry in my bedroom floor at 2 30 in the morning. So I kind of kept that secret close to my heart <laughs> uh, the entire time I was waiting for scores, but I didn't, I didn't certify. I missed it by one point point. and uh, you know, it, it, it not going to lie. It hurt. I work with uh, advanced candidates a lot, kind of think that may be one reason the Dean hired me because I can speak to candidates who certified as well as those who did not. And I think the very first thing you have to do is you have to give yourself time to absorb it. Because I was shocked, I was hurt, I was mad, I was real mad. Uh, I remember when I, I'm the old school when the box came in the second time. Oh, I mean, yeah. kicking it across the house, and my husband was just speechless. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm so I picked my box up and I went outside and proceeded to kick it across the yard until I felt better and ready to start again. But I will tell you the day that I received my scores, uh, I did make the decision that day to finish it because national board certification is a journey. I would encourage teachers to remember that. You know, I've seen a lot of strong teachers not certified, but you have to remember the national board process is going to make you evolve as a teacher. You cannot just use the same teaching modality it really focuses on you collecting and using knowledge of students to make instructional decisions. And, you know, I think as teachers, especially teachers that's been teaching a while, you sort of get locked in to a certain way of teaching and the national board is gonna make you grow. And, you know, that's sort of what happened to me. So uh, I did, you know, I went back certified in all areas. So, um, you know, I'm always willing and ready to help, teachers who did not certify
0: uh we appreciate it it's not about getting knocked down it's about making sure you get back up and well, you wrote a blog for us discussing you know your journey that we'll link to um in the show notes as well and I can great. imagine like, like you talked about it was super emotional
1: yeah that blog uh I was a national board fellow uh back I think 2019 and uh they they called me and they said we want you to blog and I'm like yes I'm going to publish something, and you know I'm just doing my happy dance all over the place. And then they're like, "We want you to write about not certifying," and I'm like, "You want me to write about my personal failure?" And they're like, "No, no, 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 you can't say it that way." But you know, that's the way it feels to teachers sometimes. So I think you have to validate it. Uh, it doesn't mean you're a failure. You just didn't exactly get it in the lines that the national board needs it to be in. But yes, I did in that that blog. I'm glad you're going to uh, link to that because it is very heartfelt.
0: Yeah. And like whether we like to believe it or not, like this is a really high stakes for for teachers like you and and others. So this can get really emotional. You know, so what coping strategies would you suggest for um, teachers who didn't achieve on their first? Well,
1: I think the very first you've got to give yourself time to deal with it. But the most important thing would be, you nailed it a while ago, pick yourself back up, okay? You've got to pick yourself back up. You've got to give yourself time to realize what happened. And then you've got to start over. And to me, that's a point that a lot of teachers get confused on because you get feedback statements. And if you've been on social media, you've heard teachers say, they can't make sense out of the feedback statements. They don't know how to use the feedback statements. They don't know what they did wrong. Well, I work with teachers. I've got an advanced candidate workbook that I think you're also going to make available for them. Yes, yes, we'll be sure to link to that too. Yeah, that will walk them through how to decipher those feedback statements because those feedback statements are all connected. Well, let me back up. Most of them are connected to one of the five core propositions. There are about nine feedback statements you can get that are more technical issues. Like the very first one I look for when I'm helping a candidate is, did not follow instructions and I've seen that a lot if a teacher sees that that you know that's kind of in a a way a good thing because hopefully you can go back and easily figure out what you didn't do usually it's a submitting issue that you did not follow the guidelines on submitting you know your evidence or your writing or something of that which is an easy fix you know so uh yeah it's a lot of different things to look at moving forward but again I like and that uh, work advanced candidate workbook will take him through that. Because the important thing is, before you begin again, you need to realize what mistakes you made. So many teachers will just choose a different topic, like like let's say they do their first topic on apples. Well, then they come back again, and all they do is they change to the oranges, but they use the exact same procedures, and that gets them in trouble. So uh, after you've decided to finish this journey, which it is a journey. The second thing you need to do is learn how to analyze those feedback statements because it is very doable and you'll see, is it okay if I go ahead and talk about this now? If you'll see, I've got, uh, and, and we're doing a presentation on this in a couple of weeks uh, as well, that'll be available. I think you said you're gonna link to it too. Yes. But uh, in the workbook, what you do is you take those feedback statements and you open up the component that you got the score on and you find the rubric that aligns with your score. Like if you scored up 2.25, you would open up the 2.0 rubric. And then you begin looking for the common language. And that's one thing I really like about this process. It uses common language across the boards. So you will find common language, those feedback statements often embedded in your rubrics. And sometimes the rubrics yourself will tell you, like, let's say, I think one of the examples I use in the advanced candidate. Uh, let's see, let me open this up really quick because it's got a sample that I included in there on how to do this. Uh, it talks about, give me one second, Eddie. It talks about how to, um, okay, here we go. It talks about identifying it. Uh, For an example, you know, it may say that it may mention your goals. You may have a feedback statement that mentions your goals. Well, you open up that rubric and you look for one of the bullets that has the word goals in it, and so that's identifying something, and those rubric bullets are more than just what you're graded by. It will tell you that if you open up the number two rubric, it often says the goals are vague or not linked. You know, to your uh, assessment or the work that the students do. So, right then, if you find if you make that connection, then you've discovered, oh my goodness, my goals were vague or, you know, something like that. And then I take it one step further. I like using the uh, statement standards. And I will say, you've really got to pay attention to those standards. If you don't know your standards, you're not going to certify, okay? Yeah, and
0: if you uh, yeah. want to go back, you can listen to our episode with Jamie Fowler-White where she dives into how important the, the standards are.
1: It's, I call it the Bible of national. <laughs> you have to be able to integrate those standards in your classroom. So after we identify the bullet, then we, we identify the standard that that bullet fits under. And the thing about the standard is they are examples of accomplished teaching. You know, I remember that first year when I didn't certify. So I go back, you know, got my head stuck between my legs and go back. I open up my standards. And I remember reading through them and thinking, wow, that's a great idea. So clearly I must have just perused my standards the first go around. But another mistake that the teachers make is they will use the language of the standards, which that in itself. Is not a mistake but when that's all they do that doesn't get it you you can use the language of the standards but you have to show what that standard looks like in action in your classroom that's evidence and uh you know another thing the teachers do they make it too big because um, national boards really is just looking at a Glimpse into your classroom. So often I work with teachers who've got like seven goals. That's not reasonable. If you have seven goals, I can tell you right now your writing going to be descriptive and not analytical. So I tell my teachers keep it between two and three manageable goals that you can really dig into and get analytical in, in your teaching and your writing.
0: You touched on it just a second ago. Evidence, that's a big word that comes around, big buzzword that comes around. Uh, can you share what it means when candidates see the word evidence on this Yes, scoreboard? I
1: always tell mine that evidence means standards, standards in action in your classroom. And I tell mine to to print out those standards. I know we live in a technical world. You should also have an electric copy because they're a PDF and you can actually search a PDF for any buzzwords you want. But I love for the candidates to have a hard copy of that and to read through it and highlight what they do not do. I find that when teachers focus on what they don't do as opposed to what they do do, it really has a stronger impact on their teaching. Uh, If you just read through it and you're like, yeah, I do that, I do that, I do that, you know, then you don't work to do it better. So you want to look at things that you don't do And again, you want to use knowledge of students. I want to point our candidates to some fabulous resources. The uh, general portfolio instructions, I think like on page 17 through 33 has, it's not really an exemplar per se, uh, but it is still a fabulous resource. And it doesn't matter if it's not your certificate area, but it is an example of national board teaching and how, uh, you know, writing up a component should look. And if you read through that, what you will notice is how much the teachers use knowledge of students to make uh, instructional decisions. And another thing, I think uh, teachers, and I'm an administrator, so I understand accountability. I believe in accountability. I believe in assessment. Maybe not a popular thing to say, but I do. But I know a lot of the teachers have been so conditioned for their state accountability, you know, that it's hard to break away from that and realize in national boards, yeah, we're looking for a certain score for you to get, but in regard of working with your students, national boards could even be a remediation. You don't have to have the highest achieving classroom. The secret is using the knowledge of the students to make your decisions. And then you go back and you incorporate those standards what I like to do is I teach my and I've tried many, many things over the years, Eddie, and this has been the best received. I teach them to make a standard notebook. I have them to go buy one of those uh, dollar composition notebooks at Walmart, oh, you know, the ones that the pages are sewed in. Yeah, and I remember writing in those yeah, in school the reason, growing up. <laughs> Yeah, the reason I like those is we're going to be flipping those pages a lot. So that way you can't wear it out. And yeah. I tell them to read their standards. I, I like to say a standard a day keeps the retakes away. <laughs> it's a big document. I mean, it's like 90 to 100 pages, okay? In the world we live in with families and other commitments, you're not going to go home and just dive into it and do this in a night. But one standard a day is a very realistic goal. So you take that notebook and you outline that standard in that notebook and what that does that hits a learning style for you it familiarizes you with your standards and then when you get back to do those components again you've got it in front of you one more thing you've got to plan with those standards in front of you you can't teach your lesson and then go back to write up your component and integrate the standards it's too late so when you're planning those lessons you have to have your standards in front of you And, you know, fortunately, the components don't require you to integrate all the standards. I think it's on page one and two of each component. It tells you which standards to look at. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of things. I'm a real big uh, strategic test taker. I guess maybe you're picking up on that. Uh, and, And it pays for teachers to be that way when they're doing national boards as well. Lots of planning. The more you do on the front end, the more you get out on the back end.
0: So that sounds like a smart tip. A uh, smart tip and strategy for educators dealing with their feedback statements. Well, yeah. do you have any others for um, what they're dealing with directly when they're dealing with their statements directly?
1: Well, you know, you again, you've got to figure out what you did wrong, and the workbook will help you with that, as well as the training that's coming. Um, Figure out what you did wrong and what you need to do differently. And let me point out, there are some things you can use, again, and some things you cannot. You will find that in the guide, the general portfolio instructions. Uh, you need to use this year's kids. Uh, sometimes I see people who want to recycle it and just edit it. That's a no-go for multiple reasons. Uh, but, you know, just planning, the, again, knowing those standards aren't understanding how to successfully integrate a standard, showing a standard into action in your classroom. Oh, you know what, I almost forgot. They do have exemplars. I was talking about the general portfolio instruction, but there is an atlas for candidates. And I have seen that you guys also have done presentations on that. So maybe you can find that one and link it as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah, candidates can get a free atlas class uh, subscription. You get four cases. Uh, it does not, and this is the biggest thing I hear, well, Ms. Kirkland, that's not my certificate area. That's not why the National Board made that available for you. <laughs> the atlas includes videos, that's certified, listen at this, at a 3.75 or higher, the work samples, and most importantly, even more important than the video, is the commentary. Eddie, they got four commentaries that they can dive in and read. And the big takeaway from that, again, is for the teachers to realize how analytical, how student-centered that writing is. So that is a very, very good uh, tool that they should also have. You know, uh, they just need to take a little bit of time, you know, get their head right. Enjoy the holidays, okay? Enjoy the holidays. Just make the decision before the holidays, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pick it back up in January and then forget about it. Enjoy Christmas, okay? Yeah, you know, we got and Christmas and New Year's back,
0: coming up. No yes, need to stress
1: come, come back in January renewed, ready to tackle this, ready to analyze what you didn't do that you need to do, what you need to improve on, and get a plan and go from there.
0: There we go. Perfect. All right. So, we're going to get to know you a little bit outside the classroom in a little That's bit of a way. So, we're going to okay. First question is, uh, how did you actually stumble into the world of education? How did you become a teacher?
1: Um. Well, I enjoyed it when when I was. I remember being in the first grade, wanting to be a teacher. Isn't that crazy? No man, uh, you knew early. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I mean, I took a couple of detours as well. Uh, but uh, my kids. I actually have a degree in computer-aided design and drafting technology. Oh when wow we don't have time for that story. Uh, so my second career was education. And, uh, when my, uh, son was small, uh, I was a kindergarten assistant one year. I knew two things I wanted to teach and it was not kindergarten, I was a <laughs> kindergarten teacher. So, uh, I remember then that planted the seed. I wanted to get into education. I went from being a, a assistant teacher to a mother's, mo- no, I went mother's morning out, then assistant teacher, and uh, I remember my husband got a big raise one day, and he'd come home, and he was so excited about his raise, and I said, great, now can I go back to school? <laughs> oh, so I did. I went back to school full-time with two little kids. Gosh, I, It was crazy. I would take 18 and 21 hours a semester.
0: Oof, I didn't even do that Uh, in undergrad. That is wild. Yeah, it it
1: was (laughs) was tough. It was tough. But that's why it got me an education. And you know, I I, I love the autonomy that we have as teachers. Uh, you know, I've always considered myself an entertainer, if you think about it, because you got like 25 kids in front of you, and you've got to be an engaging teacher.
0: Yeah, so, uh, those that, are always, uh, yeah. My, those were always my most fun teachers were the yeah, one that I engaged mean, with us and got to know
1: us. Music, movement, you know, when you look out there and they're like asleep, um, if I stand up, brain break time, you know, <laughs> so, uh, just got to, I just love it. Just absolutely loved it.
0: That's awesome. All right. So one uh, another question, if you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, uh, you keep messaging, camera and, and calling people, uh, which would you keep?
1: I would keep my Google Maps. That would make my very, very first one because I couldn't, I have zero. I feel like that's become
0: essential I, in like today's I have zero
1: life. <laughs> I direction. I mean, it's horrible. So uh, I would keep that. I would keep, what about my music? Is that, can I keep that or is that? Like
0: Spotify, yeah.
1: Okay, well, I'd keep music, you know. And then you said I could keep messaging. So I guess you said I could keep my camera. I don't really use um I really don't use it that much maybe Instagram maybe I like yeah. Instagram because I don't have to respond to people I can just look at things
0: <laughs> and double tap uh, and like a picture and move yeah, on which yeah.
1: <laughs> really 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 yeah
0: and uh do you have two or three books you'd recommend of any genre it's
1: oh uh, yes the book Educated uh I think we talked about that before that is a a true book, but it reads like fiction. My goodness, if you've not read that, you need to read that. It's unbelievable. And then uh, I kind of like, I go through different things. You know, I'm, I'm myself, I'm an issue writer. So sometimes I'm in women's genre. Sometimes I'm in mystery. Uh, as far as historical fiction goes, Four Winds by Hannah, uh, Christian Hannah, is a fabulous book it's about the dust storm and you know i not really wasn't really familiar with that so uh, those are some of the books i right now i'm listening to a book about the royal family i mean i'm i'm a big audible person i drive a minimum of 100 miles a day oh whoa. So <coughs> always listening to books plural
0: so a debate that's been coming up recently is is audiobook should are audiobooks considered reading well, well how where do you fall of
1: course they are absolutely i mean anybody that says that clearly is not a a real audible um member or you would understand it definitely is so yeah definitely i like oh, okay. it yes.
0: Yes. get you on, get, get your get your word yeah. on this yeah. debate
1: <laughs> but I bad narrator can ruin a book so oh and you know it tickles me when i when I hear people do those southern draws, <laughs> we don't talk like that anymore.
0: Right. Having some somebody that's lived from lived yeah. in Houston, I realized like these accents are very different no matter where where yeah. you go across yeah. the South. Yeah, but
1: love audibles. Yeah, sure do.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Tabin. This was a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this conversation.
1: Yes. And you know, uh I, I will also on my own be doing some uh trainings. Uh, this uh, spring as well for uh, candidates that didn't certify and I'll share those links on the national boards uh, Facebook website uh, because like I said we do have a national program so I work with Mississippi teachers and teachers everywhere I just I just want to help teachers I don't want let me leave them with this thought okay if you're watching this chances are you didn't certify all right (laughs) I just want to leave them with this message don't quit do not quit consider this a journey we are here we will help you pick yourself up and start again Thanks, well,
0: you thank you for the kind words Tammy. we'll leave it there and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me
1: absolutely
0: that was amazing i love the energy tammy brought to this episode and i'm looking forward to having her back in the future if you're a candidate listening to this episode remember her words don't quit it's a journey be sure to check out all the resources we talked about down in the show notes they will be linked down there and I just want to say thanks again to Tammy for taking the time to chat with me and say thank you to listen to this episode of National Board Conversations. This is Eddie Santiago signing off. I'll see you next time.